Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. I wanted to start out by introducing you. Obviously, you are an incredible person when it comes to your career and the things that you have done. The Punk Rock MBA himself, Finn McKenty, is here talking to me, and I am ecstatic about this. So thank you for doing this for one. I very much appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, your career is pretty wild, I would say, when it comes to terms of where you started to where you are. Um, you've done things with Swiffer, Febreze, Quicksilver, DC Shoes. You've done things with Abercrombie and & Fitch. And you were like supervising factories. And you have had your own website. You had a whole bunch of other things. And now you're doing the Punk Rock MBA. The first question I really wanted to ask you is, when did you really decide that you wanted to do this instead of what you were doing? Well, I don't think that what I'm doing now is instead of that stuff, because I still like I still think of myself as the same person. And I like YouTube is not the only thing that I do. Um, The sort of takeaway from that to me is that lots of people, including me, have sort of a winding, twisting path in their career that may not necessarily make sense to you in the moment. And my career was a fucking mess until I was, I don't know, like 36 or something like that. It seemed like it was just kind of all over the place and maybe it still does. Only now has it kind of come together where all the different things that I've done in the past all sort of meet at this place now here in, you know, YouTube or whatever. So it it kind of makes sense to me, at least I've always been in the business of making shit and selling shit. So the the question whether, so I used to make like skateboarding videos and stuff like action sports videos. uh, Like your early zines and everything back in the 90s. Yeah, I made zines. Like you said, I worked on design stuff for Febreze and Swiffer, among other things. I worked at Abercrombie. And like at the end of the day, the question is always, what should we make? Who should we make it for? And how do we sell it to them? That is always what I've done. So whether that is a YouTube video or a t-shirt or, you know, my company, you are, I mean, it's not my company, but the company I am part of a partner in URM Academy and Riff Hard. Mm-hmm. Those are both companies that do education for uh, musicians and producers. It's always the same question to me of like, what should we make? How do we make it? And then how do we sell it to people? Um, when I decided to do YouTube was 2017. I had been blogging and doing zines and stuff since like the early nineties. And my approach is always like, Wherever people's attention is, that's where I want to be. For example, I'm recording this right now on Twitch. I just started doing Twitch in like July or something like that of this year. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, five months ago or something. Because anytime I see that people are allocating their attention somewhere, I'm like, well, I am in the business of selling shit to people. So I need to understand what they pay attention to and why and what are the dynamics of that platform. and, And I want to be there. So I never anticipated that YouTube would be this successful for me and that it would be like, it's not my full-time job, but it it could be. I make enough off of it that I could live off of it if I wanted to. I never right. expected that. I just, I was like, man, if I ever get just like 10,000 views a video, I'll be like really stoked on that. And now I get way more than that. And it's amazing. But that's kind of when I decided I wanted to do it was 2017 when I had quit my previous job, started the job that I have now, and finally had kind of the space in my life to you know, really give it the attention that it needs because it is a lot of fucking work. Yeah, definitely is. Now, I mean, you you just said something that made me think back to uh, your Instagram story earlier today. 
about how you and your wife were both on welfare when you were younger. And, you know, being rich or having money does not solve all your problems, which is what you said, but not having the money makes your problems increasingly worse. Sure does. So, and, and I understand where you're coming from about always wanting to grind and always wanting to hustle because that's something that um, I find a lot of people don't understand because as you said, you know, with me as well, I was in my thirties before I was like, okay, I actually have to figure out my fucking life. Like, <laughs> and as you said earlier too, you waste 15 years at that point trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do. And then finally, by the time you're ready, you're like, um, so what's next? <laughs> yeah. Where do I start? Right. You, you just don't want to go back to where you were. And that's always, you're, you're trying to push yourself further and faster and harder. And it's just one of those constant grinds to never go back to where you came, even though you remember your roots. I couldn't agree more. So I wanted to ask more a little bit about the uh, URM Academy. Yeah, I know that you said that you guys do all of that um, for the producers and everything. So... <sighs> I know that you worked with, or was it that offers tracks from albums, like From a Day to Remember, Meshuggah, Opeth, Lamb of God, and Bring Me the Horizon. Um, and probably, I think live we're like 75 sessions, sessions now, yeah. so Yeah, you do live stream sessions and everything. What exactly are the live stream sessions that you guys do, for those that, that may not know? Yeah, so the way it works, uh, if you go to nailthemix.com, that's kind of our flagship product that you may have been familiar with if you're kind of in the music production world. The way it works is every month we have a different producer and a different artist on. For example, uh, this month we have Aaron Pauly uh, mixing his band of Mice and Men. We've also had um, like Periphery, Gojira, Meshuggah, Fall Out Boy, A Day to Remember, Bring Me the Horizon, Neck Deep, um, Suicide Silence, Lamb of God, Opeth. um, I don't know. I like, we're up to like 75 now. I don't remember all of them. Uh, but every month there, you get the raw, you get the actual raw multi-tracks from a new song by a new band. These are the literal actual files pulled right off the producer's hard drive that they used on the album. You can download those, drop them into Pro Tools or whatever, and mix them on your own. And then at the end of the month, the producer who mixed the song comes on and does a live stream where they show how they did it. And then you can compare your work to theirs and ask them questions like, oh, like I had a really hard time, you know, working with that snare. Like, how did you do it on the album? How did you get the top end to cut through without overwhelming everything? You know, that kind of thing. So basically, it's like it's the way that people have always wanted to learn how to make music. But until we came along and did it, it just didn't exist. Dude, that's awesome. Like, I mean, to actually sit there and get into the producer's mind of what they were doing. I find that to be absolutely incredible. I always like behind the scenes stuff, whether it's from like professional wrestling to music to whatever, because it's always uh, behind the scenes is always just better to me to see how things, the magic is created. So to say your um, BJJ, your, your Brazilian jujitsu, you say that you are a shitty purple belt. (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) Uh, But you were a very good blue belt. Why do you think that you are a shitty purple belt? Is it because you took the time off or is it because you... Well, I just got my purple belt like six months ago. Okay, yeah. Um, So it's just a joke about like... A lot of people say that when they get promoted that they feel like they don't deserve their new belt, you know? 
because they're they're back to being ground zero again from everything exactly. previously. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I and I feel like you've actually taken a lot of the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu motto of win or learn to your everyday life when it comes to the grinding and the creating and the keeping going because you don't lose, you just keep going forward and yep. and and that's what it is. You learn, you go, and that's that's how you do it. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the way jujitsu works. You know, my wife today earlier, I noticed that Russell Brand just got his purple belt, and we're big fans of his, the comedian. But he's now like a really insightful kind of like political commentator, com- commentator, yes. commentator guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, he changed up completely. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking brilliant. I love him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she was like, "What the fuck? Why do why yeah. did like all the people you know and like Buddy from Senses Fail is a purple belt?" Uh, Matt from Trivium is a purple. Uh, Danny Mullen, the YouTuber, is purple. She's like, what the fuck? Like, why are like all these people, you know, in our kind of world, you know, that we watch and stuff? Why are why does everyone do jujitsu? And like, why are you guys all purple belts? And uh, you know, I think it's just if you're the sort of person that wants to challenge yourself and push yourself in uncomfortable ways then I think jujitsu applies, you know, it's gonna appeal to you because it is fucking hard. It sucks. Like yeah. I get smashed all the time. You know, I get, everybody does. And to get to like purple belt, you're going to get your ass beat literally thousands of times, thousands of times. You know, I've trained jujitsu two to five days a week for years and years and years. And I get my ass kicked several times, you know, at each one of those sessions. So, you know, you experience a lot of ego death, you know, (laughs) to get to purple belt, you know, like, right. On the one hand, you're like, oh, I'm a purple. Like, I, I, I guess I know something now, but it doesn't feel that way because you know how much you got beat up to get there. Um, and I think there's just a lot to learn about life from that. And it, it's just as, if you stick it out that long, you're the type of person that is willing to basically eat a lot of shit to get where you want to go. I think that's what it yeah. comes down to. Yeah, that that's actually a very good point. And I didn't even I didn't even think about it that way, honestly, because you do humble yourself a lot yes. um, and, and get the shit kicked out of you. And as I was saying, I, that's a very strong connection to life itself. You've got to be very willing to be humble and eat a lot of shit and get yep. kicked around, but still continue to go. And definitely business. I mean, that's the business. story of business. <laughs> Yeah, You know, well, um, I mean, with your podcast, I mean, how many podcasts have you put out that you loved and you thought were great and it's like the best thing ever and you put it out and people either didn't like it or more than likely right. just didn't give a shit. Right. And I was going to say that comes with you trying to do videos on like lesser known people or lesser known artists that you feel need attention and people just like shit all over the video and you don't get a lot of views. You don't get a lot of comments and the comments you do get are negative and you're like, well, fuck, man, I, I want to do something different here. But you guys are kind of like fucking me in the process. <laughs> well, I mean, it just is what it is. You know, yeah. uh, I yeah. don't have to listen. I don't have to. It's a choice. You know, right. I don't want to. Um, paint myself as a victim or something like that. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I have the choice to, to listen to the audience or not, you know, and I choose to listen to them and give them what they want, but that is a choice. And I don't want to, you know, uh, act like I'm some sort of, you know, uh, sad victim of (laughs) the audience and everyone should feel sorry for me. No. Yes. Welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz and I'm Flynn McClain. 
Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. I do want to ask though, do you, I know you've already got two YouTube channels and I know you've already got like a hell of a life that you lead and everything, but did you ever think that maybe you would um, do a third YouTube channel and create those videos or something for the people that may need the exposure? I mean, I know you tried to get them in a little bit on your main channel, but did you ever like think about doing maybe like a little bit videos for like a third channel or something for something uh, like that? If I was going to do a third channel, it wouldn't be about music, but no, I mean, I don't feel like I owe it to, I'd like to, you know, I like to talk about new artists if I can, but 
I don't feel like I owe it to them to like promote them or something like that. Okay. That's their, that's their job. You know, okay. uh, if there's some, if, if I'm able to help someone, that's cool, but they're not obliged to, to help me and I'm not obliged to help them. Okay. That's fair. That's, that's a good point. And I guess that would go honestly with, um, your, your Twitch here, you kind of do that already. Realistically, I'm sitting here thinking about it after I asked it. Um, you, you review music and you review everything that you, uh, that people want you to hear, I guess you would say, not just new artists, but, you know, other artists as well. Well, people um, ask me sometimes, like on my story today, someone asks like, oh, and I get this a lot. Well, why don't you talk about more underground bands or why don't you talk about the scene in Salt Lake City? Well, because nobody would fucking watch it. <laughs> right. And it'd be a waste of your time. How long does it actually take you to put together a a 15 to 17 minute video on your main YouTube channel. Nowadays I have somebody who edits them. Shout out to Tim, my editor. Um, so he does, he edits everything. So it takes me six, four to six hours to write a video. Okay. Um, and then he edits, like he sends me back a full edit that maybe I'll put another hour or two into it. Maybe. Um, so I'm pretty fast now. Um, and I mean, obviously I can afford to pay him before I wasn't making any money. Right. And so I had to do everything myself and it took me a lot longer than like probably, you know, to edit one was probably another eight hours or something like that. So I'm happy to pay him to free up my time to do other stuff. Uh, I also have someone who edits all the highlights, uh, Jarrett, I don't know if he's watching this or not, but, uh, shout out to him as well. Uh, he edits all the stuff on the second channel. So I don't spend any time editing anymore, which is great because I don't enjoy it. And right. uh, I don't think I'm great at it either. Like Tim and Jared are both better writer, better at editing than I am. So I think they do a better job than I do. And I'm best at doing the talking and kind of coming up with the topics. So the more time that I can spend on that, the better. Word. I know that everybody's kind of like on you to do a system of a down video. I saw that earlier today on your story. Yes, I will do it. <laughs> um, I know you're going to do one, but what bands, I know that Dance Gavin Dance was a huge one that everybody wanted you to do for a while. Uh, what are some of the most requested bands that you haven't gotten around to doing yet, aside from System of a Down? Thrice, Alexis on Fire, Coheed and Cambria, Mr. Bungle or Faith No More, whatever, <laughs> Mike Patton stuff, uh, Tool. I think those are kind of the big ones. Okay, yeah, I saw your response to the to the Mr. Bungle one earlier today. I yeah, I mean, I, I hate all that shit. I think job. all that music is fucking just absolute <laughs> trash. Um, but if that's what people want me to make videos about, I'll do it. Right, exactly. All right. So, <laughs> so one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is your Instagram pictures that you caption usually get me to do quite the belly laugh when I see them, like when you're posing in front of your car or you've got like your wife, you know, giving you the eye on something like, what the hell are you even talking about? When, <laughs> um, when do you like, I, I get, do you just like come up with those in the, them on the fly or do you kind of like think about them for a little bit before you post them or like, how does that work with you on the Instagram area? Uh, occasionally, I come up with the idea ahead of time. For example, we went over to uh, my mother-in-law's house. She lives like three blocks away from us now. Uh, oh, yeah, brand new. That's another band people want me to talk ah. about. But definitely. The great thing about all those kind of videos is I can just basically do the Wikipedia and people think it's great. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's great. You know, I really don't. I don't think right. it's great content, but 
People enjoy it. You know, they just want basically what people want is to hear facts that they already knew about bands that they liked in high school. That's what they want right. from me. I don't think that's especially great content, but if that's what people want from me, then so be it. I think I have a lot more interesting things to say, but who gives a shit what I think? <laughs> it's up to the audience, not me. I love when you like break things down. I really do. Like, I love when you break down um, like the guitars or the breakdowns or the riffs or, you know, the vocals like you do on your Twitch. Like I, I, I really enjoy listening to how you break things down and your, um, your Twitch uh, comments are very super chill. Like, how the yes, hell did you are. stumble? Upon, how did you stumble upon such a such a cool like Twitch fan base currently? Because man, I I have no idea how you're doing it. Is Everybody's that not like, what Twitch is usually? I don't actually like. I've never watched more than like five minutes of Twitch, so I don't even know what it's usually uh, like. It is absolutely toxic on most channels. People are horrible, and I'm just sitting here watching it. Like whenever I get the chance, and you know, you're you're fan base on Twitch is just like I said, super chill, man. And I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know other than, uh, you know, the, the difference between Twitch and YouTube is that if someone's being a dick in the chat, I can call them out in right. real time and either ban them or humiliate them. <laughs> um, whereas on YouTube, you know, it doesn't work that way. So I think it's about, um, I think it's about setting an expectation about culture early on. The same as running a company. Right. You know, the uh I, I don't know who came up with this, but it's a good a good phrase or a good motto is you get more of the things that you tolerate. So if you tolerate sure. people at your company being passive aggressive to each other or sloppy or rude or whatever it is, you're gonna get more of it. And it's the same thing with the culture on comments, like internet comments. Like, Anybody that's like a passive aggressive dick on my Twitch and chat is going to get banned because I don't give a fuck like that. Those people are just right. not fucking welcome. Right. So if you're going to show up and be an asshole on Twitch, then you're done. Right. I would do that on YouTube, except it just isn't possible. So no, I think I that's just setting the expectation, I think, is the key. And then also that goes into real life as well, too, because, you know, I've seen many a times where you've said that like people that meet you are super chill. They're super cool. They talk to you regularly, but you get a lot of keyboard warriors that, you know, try to come at you on YouTube and everything. But like you've never had one bad experience with like meeting anybody personally, like as a fan or anything like that. Right. No, never. Yeah. That's fucking crazy how that works. Right. <laughs> I mean, I hear that from lots of people in bands and stuff, too. I think it's pretty normal. You know, people, it's just yeah. obviously if you can hide behind your phone, um, you're going to be willing to run your mouth a lot more than if people know who you are. And that's the difference for any of us that are creators that are public figures. Yeah. People know who you are. So you you have to answer for what you say in a way that's not true. Uh, if you're just some random nobody, you don't have to answer for your words as much. Correct. Okay, I'm going to ask you one or two more questions and then begin to wrap it up because I know you want to, you know, back, get back to your stream and everything. So I know this is going to be like a total basic bitch question, but it's something that I have to ask for somebody that has, as you said earlier, taken so many twists and turns with their career. Sure. Where do you see things for Punk Rock MBA in the next few years? Uh, well, I don't think that's a basic question at all. I think that's a really hard question. And the answer is I don't know. But I want to keep this going as long as I possibly can. Um, one of the things I need to work on for myself is setting 
more ambitious, quote unquote, unrealistic goals. One of my good friends and business channel uh, business partners uh, is named Al Levy. He's the CEO of URM Academy. We've been friends and worked together for like 10 years. I talk to him more than anybody other than my wife. And one thing I've learned from him is he is incredible at making unrealistic goals realistic. For example, he got his band signed to Roadrunner and Century Media back in the day. He started URM Academy. Like he's done all this other shit that I have thought. And he lost like 200 pounds maybe in like a year and a half. Oh, and shit. Many times in the time that I've known him, he said he was going to do something that I thought was stupid and unrealistic and there's no fucking way he was going to do it. And then he did it. And uh, like, I was like, dude, you're not going to lose 200 pounds by October of 2019, dude. It's not going to happen. Well, he did. And so I've, I've learned a lot from that. And I'm trying to challenge myself to set bigger goals. I think in the past, maybe I've held myself back by not thinking big enough. You know, the video I did today about Ice Nine Kills is a great example of this. I thought Spencer was full of shit. I thought Mike was an idiot, their manager, for like believing in this band. Well, they were right and I was wrong. I've sort of in the past been like, well, maybe I'll do this in another year or two and then I'll, you know, just quit and do something else. And if that happens, that's okay. But I want to challenge myself to think bigger than that. I want this to keep going. I want this to still be relevant in five or 10 years. And there's no reason why it can't be. There's no reason, you know, any, any obstacles are self-imposed by me. There is no reason why I can't be doing this in five years and making the same amount of money or more as I am right now. No reason. Dude, that's absolutely like the perfect thing that I could hear you say, honestly, because, um, you know, I doubt myself all the time. I am my own worst enemy. I think we all are. But the difference is, is to get into that mindset of, of doing those bigger goals, getting yourself out of your comfort zone and believing in yourself, because no matter what, you are going to always have to be your biggest fan in this fucking cold ass world. Absolutely. If you don't look out for yourself, nobody else other than your mom is going to. Right. Just Um, a fact. So to be specific, the one thing that I think will happen is I think my second channel will end up, which is just my name, Finn McKenty, which is right. my podcasts and Twitch highlights. Uh, I think, and I want to maybe do some vlogs and stuff on there too. I think that might end up overtaking my main channel. I, it might, uh, it might. <laughs> and and I, I hope it does. That, that would, that would make me happy. Cause I think that content is better, honestly. And I think it's more right. fun for me to make. It's easier for me to make. Um, and it's on track. Like right now, I got about uh, about a million views on my main channel last month, and I got like seven hundred fifty or eight hundred thousand on my second channel. And I've only it's had this up. channel really since like July or something. Or yeah, or maybe. almost right around the time you started your Twitch. Yeah, basically. Yep. I mean, I've had the channel, but I didn't do much with it. Right. So at that rate, it should overtake my main channel in a couple months, and uh, I hope that that's the case because there's a lot more room for me to breathe and do different things and stuff like that on my Finn McKenty channel rather than the punk rock NBA, which is not to say I would stop doing the punk rock NBA, right. but yeah. you know, I'd be happy if I did one or two punk rock NBA um, videos a month or something. And then like 10 or 15 on my, you know, Finn McKenty channel, that would be cool to me. That would be very awesome. Um, I think that's a real high note to leave uh, the interview with, sir. Um, you, you've, you've, kind of laid out a battle plan for the next couple of years. You've 
said some damn inspirational things to people who may be doubting themselves or having issues with getting things started. And um, I Nothing wrong with doubting yourself. Just don't let yeah. it stop you from moving forward. That's absolutely 100% true. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for you doing this interview with me, sir. This was an honor. Um, you are an amazing person. And um, thank you again for your time. I, I don't know what else to say. Well, thank you for thinking of me. I, uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Or do you have anything you would like to promote before we get out of here? Uh, I would like to promote critical thinking. I would like everybody, yes. <laughs> if you're listening to this, just put a little bit of conscious effort into questioning your assumptions about the world and the way that you think. And if one of your assumptions doesn't hold up to reality, change it. That's what I would like to promote. Better critical thinking. Always Word. be changing. Always be questioning what you believe and changing your beliefs if they don't match reality. Whew. Yeah, there's a lot of people that need to hear that in 2021. All of us <laughs> do. Every single <laughs> yeah. one of us. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So again... Thank you for your time, and I appreciate everything that you have have done for inter, uh, not interviews. Damn, I'm sitting here talking about myself, but for reviewing and everything for you know all the bands that are up and coming, or even the bands that are out there, and all the things that you do behind the scenes. Because behind the scenes are uh, is, I guess you would say, like I said earlier, where the magic happens. So there we go. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>